You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Lots of people wait to invest in real estate until they have a bucket of money to invest. But sometimes filling up that bucket can take longer than expected. The good news is you don't have to own property to make money on it. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Our guest today is a short-term rental entrepreneur who's built his business on something called rental arbitrage. This strategy entails leasing a property and then getting permission to release it as a short-term rental. John Bell started master leasing properties and renting them out on Airbnb just a few years ago and is now bringing in about $40,000 a year net as a side hustle to his full-time job. And this is the bucket of money he's created to buy long-term rentals. In today's podcast, he'll talk about how he did it and why he feels it's a relatively risk-free investing strategy. So John, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So you have been focused in the vacation rental business and also teaching people how to do that. It's been challenged for sure, or has it? I've heard from some people it's actually been better than ever. So what's going on during these COVID days? You know, it was a challenge because we got hit hard with cancellations and just kind of overcoming seeing those dollar values just kind of explode in front of your face. That stuff was very hard to kind of look at and could have been a little depressing to some. But really, if it taught us something that we didn't really know was there, and that was the little pivot that we could do to really start to accept longer term and midterm Uh, reservations that can carry us through times like this. And me carrying about 40 units through this whole thing and still adding units as we kind of go through it is insane to some. But in reality, it really was a gift because it did teach a new strategy. Really? Okay. What's the new strategy? New strategy is basically just pivoting and just being a little flexible, not taking on as much of the profits that we would normally see. So instead of making $1,500 a month on, let's just say, an apartment, maybe reducing that down to about $400 a month and offering, to, offering it to somebody that can actually stay longer term. So instead of seven days, they are there for either two to three months. And literally those people that started when COVID kind of hit, they are just now starting to check out. Lucky for me, Also, the short-term recovery has started to kind of just come right back around. So I'm starting to tick back up to where I'd like to be during my high season here in the D.C. area. Okay. So we just started literally um, (laughs) two weeks ago because a friend of mine, a neighbor of mine works in the entertainment industry in Hollywood and that just completely shut down, right? So she didn't have work, but she did have two rooms that her college sons had lived in and and they were kind of separate enough that she could make them separate units and started leasing during all of this. When when everything started shutting down, she thought, well, this is the way I could make money. And she was shocked because it's just outside of LA. And what she discovered is that people are wanting to vacation nearby. And the income that she's made from just leasing out these her her two kids' rooms separately or together if somebody had kids and and they connect so they could have two rooms or two separate rooms. Um, They have kind of their own area outside, no ocean views or anything. They're just part of her house and she lives there, but she doesn't have to share space with them. And she said the income that she's receiving from that is more than what she was getting 
at her former job. So that was surprising. So we decided to do it and we have been booked solid as well. And I'm shocked and we keep raising the rates and it, they keep Still coming. Does it. Still does it. Yeah. Did you, so you initially saw a dip and then things went back up or, or what, what's your experience been there? Yes, absolutely. So I've been doing this for just over two years. And, you know, my calendar was full from, let's just say March, which is the start of our high season, all the way till about mid-June. There were bookings on the calendar. There also were some further out bookings that were for events like weddings. Um, There was a chef that was coming to one of my places. They had booked further, further out like September. Well, as soon as the lockdown happened, everything from like the 15th of uh, March just evaporated. So if I looked at inside of my potential uh, payouts, you know, it went from, I would say, let's just say $70,000 to zero. Oh my gosh. Just in March, just bam. Just bam. So even though people had booked, they, they had to cancel. Of course. Yeah. They canceled. And of course, no reimbursement to you. No reimbursement. No, no. You had to pay it back, right? You had to pay the deposits back. (gasps) We had to pay all of it back. Airbnb refunded guests fully. Um, most of all the other platforms encouraged a refund. So yeah, all those potential profits were never realized because we had to give it all back and we couldn't really recoup any of it. So now, did that money hit your wallet or was Airbnb holding it? Uh, Airbnb does hold the money, but other mm-hmm. platforms like uh, HomeAway, VRBO, if you're signed up with multiple properties, they send it to you. Like you already have it. So oh yes, that had so to come had to back send out of the account. Back. Do you think a lot of people spent that money? And There's a lot it? of people because of just like you just mentioned, right? The money starts rolling in. Yeah. And when you start to build confidence that the money is going to continue to roll in, some people do spend it. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a little tough because I normally know how to carry money through the slow season to allow me to get to the high season, right? Well, our high season, like I said, starts in March. I just carried everything all the way through uh, and then I'm waiting for my big payout and it's not there. So (sighs) it it was a shock, Uh, but being able to kind of pivot and just retarget to some local people, to some nurses, to some other people that needed to quarantine by themselves away from their families, um, that all was really good. And there's been people here that are physically stuck in the States because they can't come home. Oh my gosh. And they're staying in short-term rentals. There you go. Because hotels, hotels shut down a a lot in my area. Uh, At the same time, you share that, that whole hotel with, you know, hundreds of people. If they're operating at full capacity, it's better to be at a place that is a little smaller and limited exposure to multiple people. Now, I thought some people were also uh, renting Airbnbs long-term just to get out of cities, but yours are in a city. Correct. Um, Now, there are some that, yes, wanted to get out of those cities because they figured there's no way I'm not going to get it because I'm in this really, you know, very populated area. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do have a property that's waterfront that just happens to be, it feels further away than really what it is, Um, but it's, it's secluded in a sense. And people just have been booking it like crazy. Just like you said, uh, I keep increasing the price just a little bit to try to allow for just some blanks and people are still booking it, uh, which is great because that one I can honestly say, I'm definitely making my numbers. I might even crush what I thought I could do because it's, it's just been great. That's amazing. Okay. So 
How do you go about your business? Do you lease properties out or do you buy the properties? Mostly I do master leasing or rental arbitrage, which means I'm renting the place Mm -hmm. uh, and then re-renting it out, of course, with full disclosure from the landlords and everybody like that. So I'm not doing anything below board. Uh, But then I also do a lot of co-hosting, which is really working with the property owners of multiple properties or maybe a vacation rental for themselves second home, and I manage it for them so I can bring the right type of guest into their home. Okay. So what do you need? I mean, I've tried to tell my daughter about this. I know a few people who are doing the master lease scenario where they lease the house and then have an agreement that they can use it as an Airbnb. How do you get a landlord to agree to that? And what do you need to have in in the lease agreement to allow for it? And and, oh, I have so many questions. How do you protect the landlord? How do you protect yourself? I mean, how does that work? I, I know plenty, you teach it, but. <laughs> yes. Uh, plenty of people have those exact same questions, which is why we came out with a little course that can walk people through it. The training is there. It's there for anybody. It's very simple. We also do the vacation rental podcast, which is like a free version. Um, but yes. Okay. Let's talk about just talking to the landlord. It is, it's, it's fun. It's really about overcoming objections. You know, the first objection that a landlord's going to say is, oh, you said Airbnb or are you talking Airbnb? No, those people destroy houses. They come out and they party. Mm -hmm. Well, that is the bad press that everybody remembers. Mm -hmm. You just have to overcome that objection by saying, hey, I defend against parties because of blank, blank, blank. Or maybe I have uh, security cameras or something. I monitor people coming in. I have noise monitors inside of the home. And I know when the levels get up high, I can be on top of it before anybody else around me starts complaining. You just have to kind of overcome those objections and you want to keep that conversation open and more back and forth. And eventually, somebody's going to say, I'll give it a try. Let's just do one unit. Okay, we do one unit. One unit like a a condo or a... Yeah, like like an apartment, literally just an apartment in one of your... Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah. I can't believe that the neighbors wouldn't complain. But I guess if you've got tenants that are good and act like neighbors, then it would be okay. Yeah. So you do get that one in 100 bad guest. Sure. It's just you have to temper how bad it really gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the joys of short-term renting is that you know that they have a start date and a short end date. So uh, you <laughs> might only have to deal with them for about three or four days versus you know, a whole year. Can you imagine if you had a right. bad long-term tenant and everybody yeah. around them? It's mm-hmm. it's so much more worse. So yeah. you just want to make sure that they're within a certain level of disruptiveness. <laughs> uh, so on the, okay, I'm just, I've got so many questions because I know <laughs> that this is a great opportunity for people to get into an, an investment property and not have to put down a down payment if you can just oh, lease it. Was it was so great. So a little bit more about my background. Yeah. I was flipping homes before. Okay. And I was flipping and I was flipping. And then I realized, okay, right. I'm putting all this money in and I'm getting my money back, but then I immediately have to go put it in something else to avoid capital gains. And I, I went out to California to visit one of the successful franchisees. I was a home investor franchisee. And, um, he had all these homes that he was working on, but he still had the same problem I had, which was technically he was a little cash poor because everything was just rolling. Um, and he didn't have the liquidity that he really wanted to really kind of just pull and just live off of because it just had to be reinvested. I stayed at an Airbnb, which happened to be at an Archstone, 
An archstone is a REIT or a big apartment building that's managed by a management company. I realized that I was staying there. I was able to go to apartments.com, look up the rent amount, and I seen the rent amount and I seen what I was paying and I multiplied that over 25 days. And I was thinking, this guy is making a killing. I don't even understand how he's able to do that. Similar to how you're just <laughs> asking me, how do you kind of get in? It took me about a year and a half to really find my way to tr give it a try. When I gave it a try, I was doing it all part-time. I managed 30 properties part-time with my full-time job. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. It, it's really exciting for me because the buy and hold real estate that we do at Real Wealth, there's a, a deposit that has to be put down and not everybody has that. And I hate to turn anyone away from getting started, you know, or somebody young, like um, right now we've got somebody renting from us. Or we've got a little tiny home we rent out and he's 22 and wants to get started. And, you know, just getting that down payment together is tough. It's kind of hard to do wholesaling and flipping in yes. California. But yeah. short-term rental, boy, it's, I was going to say it's, it can be very profitable, but we also have so many strict rules here about it that make it yes. more difficult. I think in LA County, you have to actually live in the property. Um, I know that you have to do it for 30 days or longer. Um, so we right. have a couple properties in New Orleans and they require that it's your homestead or primary residence for you to be able to do it outside of your home. Mm -hmm. Once you know the rules, you just play by them. That's really the best way to kind of go about it but yeah. still have an end game for the cash, right? So I consider this business a cash generator. If yeah. I need to go out and generate you know, $10,000 a month, I can do that in this business, which means if I want to purchase a property, I really probably have to wait you know, four months, I got $40,000, I can go buy a property and then kind of redo the whole thing with the property that I own. So oh, it's, it's been beautiful. so great jumping right into this because oh, I love it. it really does spew into everything. Now, how much money do you think someone should have on hand? Because you've got to come up with you know, rental deposits and security deposits and I imagine insurance and, and then you've got to get furniture. So what, what kind of money do you need up front? I say a good rule of thumb is going to be about $10,000 for anything that's two bedrooms or less. When okay. you get into the bigger properties, and you get into the more of the lavish properties, you kind of are extending uh, your offerings that you need to offer. So that might put you outside of that range. So if you go out and you buy or you uh, rent a nice mansion, you can't just furnish it with, you know, cheaper furniture from like Ikea or anything right. like that. No, you cannot. <laughs> you just have to go out and get the real furniture, which will definitely blow that budget. But for mm -hmm. the standard apartment or um, something small, uh, you can really get away under $10,000. Can you lease the furniture? You can lease the furniture. Mm -hmm. um, that is one strategy that I used when I was picking up multiple apartments at the same time. Uh, the only downside to leasing, of course, it's easy on the pockets in the beginning. It's just you're buying the furniture over and over again, year after year, if you continue to keep it there. Right. Yeah, that's right. If you're going to have it long term, just buy it. That's how I feel about cars, too. <laughs> you know, if you're going to have it a while, just buy it. Leasing can be expensive, but I digress. So very excited. Okay. So for someone who maybe doesn't have the $10,000, we helped our daughter move South near us with Southern California. It's expensive, but um, she and her husband were having a baby and I had to have the baby near me. So I thought that a, maybe a way for them to be able to afford to live down here was to get actually a bigger house than what they could normally afford. And that has extra rooms that could be used for Airbnb. Um, but she couldn't manage to talk the landlord into it. 
And I just thought, you know, what's, what's the real risk? What's their real fear? I mean, generally, if someone says no to something, it's because either they don't have enough information or they're afraid of something. I guess it's, the, it's both. So if you can address those things, really find out, you know, what is your concern and then have a really good response, they can generally get over it. And she didn't have that. Um, all the answer was simply no, <laughs> which yeah. was a bummer because, you know, she, from my calculations, if she could have talked him into it, she could almost be living there for free. Exactly. Exactly. And you hit the nail on the head. Really, it's about those fears, those objections. You just want to be able to just go back and just hit each one straight on and just say, hey, this is how I mitigate against this. It's not perfect. I don't think it's perfect, but I can guarantee you my place is going to be better than any other tenant that you've ever had because my people only come in with the suitcase. They don't come in with a whole bunch of furniture. They don't have just all this stuff that's going to start piling up inside of the place year after year. Again, my people come in with uh, suitcases. There might be a couple scuffs off the wall, but I have magic erasers and it's going to be perfect. Same way you give it to me. It's the same way I'm going to return it. Landlords normally like that. One of the other things that I do normally say about just trying to get in is you can see my reviews, right? Mm. My reviews are public. So as a landlord, if you ever wanted to go and see how I'm doing, how clean the place is, you can always check my reviews and you'll see, hey, I have five stars for cleanliness, which means your place is protected. Well, and that's the other point is you're cleaning it deep better than you would clean your own place. I mean, you're cleaning it every few days, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay. Wow. I could ask you a million questions. Is there anything I'm missing? Any important new laws um, where, where things might be headed? It sounds like you're still in acquisition mode. Definitely. Uh, still, still picking up. Definitely offering services to anybody who's interested. I've been able to expand a bunch of just regular flippers or property investors in itself into somewhat of that long-term strategy with the extra benefit of actually bringing in more than market rents. Um, But regulations are somewhat changing. There's a lot of conversation just about how to deal with Airbnb or short-term rentals in general. And those things we shouldn't shy away from because, again, if if they establish something, we know how to play then, or we at least know how we have to manage how we do things versus being in a place that's unregulated and all of a sudden they just pop regulations on you and then you can't do what you used to do. So I like places that kind of have gone in and said, hey, this is how we want to treat these things, whether it means I can only do it for a certain number of days. And uh, the classification for short-term rent is anything less than 28 days. So anytime you take those midterm stays or longer-term stays, that doesn't go against that clicker. So Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a few people say that one of the best reasons to get into Airbnb or get into short-term rentals today would be picking up what other people failed at because they had to pay mortgages when they weren't getting income and maybe didn't have the reserves. I mean, are you seeing that? Are you seeing people fail and having to let go of their properties or has business picked up enough that they could keep them? I've seen other hosts like myself, of course, drop units. I've seen big companies that were huge competitors in the space drop off. What we haven't seen is the fallout from like everyone that can't pay their rents or uh, from the moratorium on all of the rent payments and stuff. So once that happens, that could create a very, very strong market for somebody like myself to either pitch to people or come in and take up uh, any type of availability that happens to just come around. Because one, 
You're doing it as a company. So sometimes there's some security there. At the same time, it's just a good opportunity to pounce on availability. And there might be a vast number of those things, especially if the housing market takes a little dip. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't really, you don't want to sell in the dip. What you would like to do is to try to at least make some good revenue while you hold on to it and prolong that until the market kind of comes right back in your favor. And literally short-term rentals are the best way to kind of do that. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So you're in Washington, DC. So I got to ask a couple of questions about recent events and current events. First of all, is it it true that Washington, DC might become its own state? I I was just listening to some of that uh, just before this podcast. Um, It's possible. I think... I think that it should, you know, uh, mm. really there's, they don't have any representation anywhere. Yeah, right. Very odd. Of course, I don't know if everybody really wants a 51st state. Um, Why not? Who cares, right? <laughs> uh, literally, there are people that are, are just not, not able to, to actually really have a good vote on anything. Really? So, yeah. I mean, they don't have any yeah. like electoral oh. college votes. So just That's crazy. Oh my exactly. gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a, just the reason right there. Right. Okay. And then what about the statues? I mean, has, are there any left? I'm just curious if what we're seeing on the news is what's real. Um, you know, here, there really hasn't been a big drop because there weren't too many here to begin with. But like in places like New Orleans, um, they definitely had started stripping some already. And I think they have almost stripped them all now. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, they, you know, same thing in San Francisco. I just, had been to Washington, D.C. recently and just, you know, was curious how much has changed. So lots and lots of changes coming, um, hopefully, hopefully for the good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. And um, again, just give your information so people can learn more. All right. Well, if you want to, if you're a host or you want to become a host, you can connect with me in the Host Nation Facebook group. Um, that's where all potential hosts and we all just kind of exchange information there. Uh, you can also find any avenue that we can offer you guys as any offering, whether it's training, co-hosting, or even uh, managing your apartment buildings. You can find all that information from shorttermsage.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. To get more information on how to start investing in real estate, visit our website at realwealthshow.com. And when you're there, it's free to join. You'll find lots and lots of webinars and blogs to help you get started. Plus, you can book a free strategy session with one of our investment counselors. Again, that's realwealthshow.com.